0: His plan, yeah, is ridiculous. So we head off onto this boat. Uh, we have this this fisherman, Mister Foreboding. Exposition.
1: You know the quickest way to get a rex, I assume, based on my knowledge of lions, is take a hammer hammer to the leg, and everything works out fine. Show T Rex who's boss.
0: Hmm. hmm? Lovely says the carnivores tend to be concentrated in the centre, so the team can keep to the sort of herbivore area.
1: All the ones with the big long claws hang out in the middle, eating each other, what, because they like a challenge? <laughs> By the way, just going to flag this now. <laughs> Didn't see a Carnotaurus at any point during this film, Matt.
0: Hello and welcome to the long-awaited and much-anticipated Shark Live Royal episode in which we discuss Jurassic Park The Lost World, the film, hey. the film Dave. Yes. I'm Matt.
1: I'm Dave, hello. Yes
0: you are and yeah we've been talking about doing this for a while but um, we've done The Lost World, the Michael Crichton book and now we're going to just take a, a, a brief dive into the film, Steven Spielberg's We can't call it a masterpiece, but it is a good one. Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park, the good one, rather than the great one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, I see. We're we're pre-making our statements about the quality of this film, are we? We're going in saying we think it's great. We we might have a misunderstanding here, to
0: be (laughs) Well, I'm going in saying I think it's good. And that might partly be because uh, last night I went to see the original Jurassic Park in a concert hall with a full orchestra. (sighs) You
1: unutterable bastard. I can't believe you got to do that. That, was, great. that um, was That was the first time, by the way, when you sent me the, that, that picture that you sent me of your ticket and then the stage with Jurassic <laughs> Park written above it. That is the first time I felt the need to respond to somebody telling me something with more than one gif. <laughs> and it was a stream of about six of the bastards just going, "What you, you bastard! You!" I all but went and actually made a GIF. Oh, because I couldn't find one online. Nobody for some reason has made a GIF of Edmund Blackadder going, "You bastard! You bastard!" <laughs> and it was the only. That was my spirit animal at that point. That was the thing that I needed. Somebody to yell at you in poorly animated form. <laughs> on the other hand i'm very happy you got the experience was it good
0: it was yeah it, it, it's, The funny thing is actually um it's basically if you don't know what it is it's a, it's the film jurassic park on the big screen like a cinema size screen uh and then there's a full orchestra below playing the music and um to be honest for large parts of the film you forget they're there because you're just sort of watching the film but um mm. then every so often they're playing some of the music like which is behind some speech and you can't hear the yeah. speech that well and you said sort of like oh yeah there's a full orchestra down there <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it is good for sort of do you know like the quieter when that string swelling moments and stuff it just does feel a bit more sort of epic um, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd recommend it how um,
1: how good i mean the, the moment we're all thinking of there obviously is they do move in herds did it, yeah. did it get you and did it get you in the fields despite the terrible cgi
0: it did yeah it did yeah it just about lifted the terrible cgi that <laughs> bit. Yeah. and there was that the the bit where they arrive on the island you know like where the helicopters coming in oh um, yeah and the full yeah. themes going that was great and um the bit with the triceratops actually where they find it there's some quite a lot of subtle strings going on there and that was really oh, that was really nice. good nice yeah. That
1: is true, actually, because that's the kind of big emotional moment as well, isn't it? Where you've got this kind of very gruff guy who hates children and doesn't talk about anything suddenly being the kid he always was yeah. in front of this dinosaur. Oh, that's great.
0: Yeah, um, and obviously the big action set pieces are great. They're, they're quite surreal if you can just sort of chase your gaze away from what's going on the screen and look below. Cause there's like, you know, it's a T-Rex attacking a car. And then below, there's this <laughs> conductor just going for it. It's like, oh,
1: <laughs> <they're all just laughs> oh I love the idea of a conductor really committing to, do you know what? I know that that is an epoch-defining piece of cinema on the screen there, and I know that it's being applied to making it look like an actual dinosaur is attacking an actual car, but me, I'm a little white stick, I'm going for it. I'm having it. (laughs) Here we go. You and me, T-Rex. Who's going to come out the daddy? (laughs)
0: Yeah, if you want a blow-by-blow account of the first film, we did discuss it in very, very, very extreme detail um you can go back in the podcast feed or go on the website sharkliveroyal.co and um and you can find the the version of it there we did five parts on the book jurassic park and then one in the film and now we've done i think it was four or five parts on the lost world and today's the lost world the film as we said so um that's enough jurassic park one much as we'd like to continue to talk about it (laughs)
1: <laughs> Let's do the no follow-up. not at all although I am now aware that we've set ourselves fairly lofty heights to fall from haven't we shit yeah. oh well never mind carry on regardless
0: yeah because the, so our thoughts on the, the book Jurassic Park uh The Lost World was kind of like it was good but wasn't sort of didn't live up to the first one I think would be yeah. our, our general
1: I, 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 and I think reviews. we were both sort of surprised by that weren't we mm. like having having kind of both read it back to front and absolutely loved it for many many years it felt like in that last episode but we were going through it there was just a bit of a oh yeah this is it and it's not actually like if you take half a step back from it or, or you already know something about chaos and or evolutionary theory it's it's just a bit like yeah I, I know Michael I know yeah. like it doesn't it doesn't hold together in the same way that the, the Jurassic Park the first book does yeah. um and and like I think if we're doing prejudgments, I think we can say at the very least that that being overly brainy is not the problem that the second movie has. <laughs> at the very least, it blazes its own trail.
0: It certainly does. So, yeah, we did the, the great first book and the adaptation, which was great. And we've done the less good second book. Let's see if the pattern continues. Uh, Jurassic Park, The Lost World, the film. Um, I'm going to say from the exit, like I say, I, I think it's pretty good. But um, it's, yeah. We'll get into some of the issues with it as we go. So, sure, we start. Sure. Well,
1: I, I feel, I, I, before we really get into it, I sort of want to contextualise this and say that when I first saw this film, I loved it from left to right and top to bottom. I saw it when I was, when did it come out? 98?
0: Um, uh, yeah, 97? I think so. Is it or four years like later? Is it set four years later? I think it is.
1: I think so, yeah. So I was, I, I was a teenager, a very young teenager. And mm. it is one of the only times... I have had. I watched the film and I really enjoyed it. And then that night, I slept, and it's the only time in my life I can remember that I had a dream that was so exciting that I wanted to go back to sleep because yeah. I dreamt I was in the film, and I, and there were dinosaurs <laughs> and they were doing all this mad, crazy shit. And I, but I was loving it, and I, it was like. It, I, like, any piece of cinema that can do that for a 13 year old can, like, literally set up camp in their dreams in such a way that they're like, I know there were dinosaurs, but I didn't feel scared. I just felt excited. Let's Mm go um like uh, you know that that's there's got to be something special about that um that's so that's where i was starting from with this
0: yeah this is for me um this is very different from jurassic park the film because i watched jurassic park the film then read the book and with this one i read the lost world then watched the film so i was sort of yeah watching it from a different perspective than than uh than the first first film but uh we start and we start at isla sauna there's a posh beach picnic going on with this really like posh British couple and and their American child for some reason, which (laughs) is a bit weird.
1: (laughs) Well, I've always found that a bit weird that there is a sort of genre of posh American who talk with an English accent. And I've never been able to work out if that is because there are some weird enclaves of North American high society where nobody's spoken to anybody for 400 years. And that's why they all still have English accents. Um, or, or what it is, if they all just are really secretly Frasier fans or really kind of class insecure and they really want to sound English. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is what's going on. There's an American child who has been born to insufferably posh, let's not say British, insufferably mm-hmm. posh parents. Yeah,
0: okay. So um, one of the, the kids called Kathy Darling, and um, <laughs> she she wanders off. and um,
1: Jocasta, Jocasta.
0: <laughs> she wanders off and, and has a run-in with these compies. Um, which I don't think were in the... They, they weren't actually in the first film, were they? Although they, they were played a big part in the first book. So, no, um, they weren't at all.
1: Th- I suppose when you're making the dinosaurs and Spielberg goes, and obviously there's this one that's got a big part and it's sort of about, about the size of a chicken. <laughs> Everybody in Hollywood goes, yes, yeah, Steve, probably don't spend the money on the chickens. Chicken-sized <laughs> dinosaurs, not what people are turning up for. Yeah.
0: There are a few examples, actually, in The Lost World, the film, where you feel like Spielberg's um, sort of putting in the things that he didn't quite have time to put in, in the first one, like from the first book.
1: I wouldn't disagree with that. And I think it would be interesting to see as we go along, whether any of those feel justified or if they really do feel like trying to sew off cuts into a whole new suit, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this, uh, this little girl meets the comfies. Um, she's got this beef sandwich, which she tries to feed some of them. And then they, they want a little bit more than just the sandwich. And, uh, she starts screaming the dad and mum and these like sailors all run over and uh the mum gives this like world-class scream we've got to give it. that it's like it's like it's lex <laughs> jurassic park one level like quality of scream Talk you talk about it, all-time film screams
1: it really is but for some reason lex in jurassic park one just feels like fair just feels exactly what an 11 year old girl would do in the face of a dinosaur yeah um whereas this just feels like listen you know those old fifties Hammer horror movies? That—that's what I want. I don't want no 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 characterisation, love. Don't take it down at the edges. Don't step back in the slightest from this. I want it, Hammy, go. And to be fair to her, she nails it.
0: She does, and it does allow us to do one of the greatest smash cuts in all of <laughs> <world> cinema history, <laughs> as it goes from this this mum screaming to Malcolm just yawning, um, as the and you hear the sort of subway going past as well. So it's like a, a bit of a scream there as well. That's a no, nice yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. back. Hey, he's, uh, he's all in black.
1: Still alive. Still
0: alive. Still, still. Well, to be fair, he, I, he, we'll have issues with this at the end of this film as well. But he just disappears <laughs> at the end of the first book, doesn't it? The end of the first film. I mean, in the first now book that, he dies, but in the end of the first yeah. film,
1: yeah, well, yeah. So what's the last thing Because doesn't he just get thrown into those? No, no, he's downstairs helping the guy read the schematic, basically, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, and then I think someone says, where's Malcolm, and he's, they say he's on another plane, on <coughs> another helicopter.
1: That, that's, a, that, that's hacked together as a solution, on the, isn't it? It's on another but,
0: helicopter on the way to it, film something else. <laughs>
1: he's on another helicopter on the end of his contract yeah. um no that well at least they put a line in for it though maybe he thought maybe he meant it to be a running joke because obviously as you say we will come to this this also happens in in uh in jurassic park too but hmm. uh yeah so
0: so yeah so so he's back um and he has this weird chat with this random guy in the tube or on, on the subway um It's obvious that it it looks like in this universe, Malcolm, he he didn't stay silent like he was paid to do. He sort of was singing like a canary on all these talk shows. Um, So everyone knows that he was making these claims about dinosaurs existing, and it doesn't seem like many people have believed him.
1: Yeah, which is sort of, yeah, is a touch more plausible than everybody going out there to hold somebody to account and then everybody to a man honouring the NDAs. Yeah, you know, which they hold to a defunct company that can't sue them. Yeah. Um, which was the premise in the book. I thought this was, it's a bit more direct, but it was like, it allows you to set up the idea of Jeff Goldblum being on the subway and people somehow finding him a laughable figure rather than just going, that's fucking Jeff Goldblum, that. <laughs> that is Jeff Goldblum.
0: Yeah. Um, so he goes to visit John Hammond. Remember, Hammond's not dead in the film universe at this stage. Um yeah. So he goes to visit him. He, he bumps into Lex and Tim and he gets to the house. Apparently, this is quite a sweet story. Apparently, Spielberg wrote them in for this one scene so he could yeah. pay them a massive sort of yeah. uh, fee so they could go through college.
1: Yeah. And, like, do you know what? Hats off. Like, it's, it's you know, I, I'd like systemic change, but while we're at it, if somebody like Spielberg goes, Those kids, they're probably taking a certain amount of shite for the job that I gave them all that time ago. Hmm. What if I was to get them paid a huge amount of money? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah.
0: Then the um, the InGen lot come down the stairs. So InGen still exists as well in this universe. Um, and there's this posh guy, the new boss. He This guy basically takes place of, of Dodgson um, in the film, um, because we don't have a Dodgson uh, from the book. Uh, but yeah, sorry, what you were saying, this posh guy.
1: Well, yeah, well, I mean, so the posh guy, first of all, he is English. This, this is, this is a type A supercilious English character. And, and, and I, I just, I'm not even sure I can, I can run up the outrage to get around this sort of lazy characterization, primarily because there definitely are English people who act and talk this way. So, um, but, but, um, I, I, I wonder why they didn't do Dodgson. Hmm. Do you get any ideas on why that would be? Because Dodgson was this great, horrible, slimy kind of character. Like I feel like having like doing a storyline where Dodgson turns up would be a lot more logical. Even though mm. even though actually in the second book they didn't make very much out of that storyline at all. I still yeah. like the idea of Dodgson being this kind of you know, like one desperate last roll of the dice really nasty guy, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, it could have it could have worked where they, they basically had bi- Biosyn, a family company, just go and try and steal <laughs> the dinosaurs rather than, like, in-gen. Um, yeah. But yeah, and, and the whole character, like, or they could have done it being in-gen, um, mm-hmm. but had the same, like, have this guy be the dodging character because he's not, yeah, he's, he's, he's this sort of posh, like, quite, like, wet, uh just rich but sort of all the gear and no idea british guy yeah, in yeah, in the middle yeah. of nowhere, whereas dodgson was a bit more of a sort of a i don't know like a classic like risk taking uh bad guy like uh bad guy american you know yeah um, so yeah it's it, it is strange that, that they decided to go down that route um well, yeah well, so and, more in it yeah
1: I mean, possibly so. You know, nobody ever, nobody ever lost money portraying the English as thoughtless, mean bastards in in Hollywood. And uh, once again, there's a certain amount of reason for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this is an interesting one to me because the whole thing about they have to get to the island. So Malcolm and his guys have to get to the the, the island, but then Ingen turn up, but Ingen are the bad guys. And like, and you kind of, to me, that never really made very much sense. Like this whole setup, like it would make a lot more sense to have here are the goodies, there are the baddies, you know, um, as a, as a kind of setup. So I don't really understand mm. why they didn't do, do bi- Biosyn Trustworthy Corp. Like <laughs> that would have been a great a great swing, but uh, whatever.
0: I suppose it it sort of. It, it makes it It's a bit neater for the way they both end up on the island at the same time because the point is the InGen lot have come just to take the company away from Hammond. they got to go to the island and catch the dinosaurs now and Hammond's hoping for this sort of last-ditch PR move to like just go and document them and for some reason everyone will decide that, you know, actually leave them all where they are and leave them alone. Well,
1: right, which brings us to the next <laughs> little bit of this scene, which is Hammond's master plan. About which I have a number of questions, but uh, you, but go like let's let's go through and beat by beat.
0: Okay, so Hammond, so yeah, so Mal- Malcolm has this running with the Indian law, and the uh, yeah, this guy says, "Careful, this suit costs more than your education." And, uh, <laughs> which is a great line. Um, hey,
1: it is, and that's the best impression I've ever heard of that line. <laughs> actually, by the way.
0: And it also transpires that yeah, Malcolm did sell his story but he didn't sell it, he didn't take any money for it, he just wanted the truth to be out, Dave. Um yeah. so we can like him still. And then uh <laughs> we get to we get to Hammond. Yeah, he gives us some sickly exposition. Um he's still he's still kicking, but he's you know, he's a bit ill. Uh talks about site B. Um uh, still no mention of his uh his business partner who appears in three three films time. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Um but yeah. He it, says, go on.
1: I, no, I I will now display my ignorance and say that I have not watched Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So, oh, I, yeah. I, I I do not know to which you refer there. Oh, they're the, the,
0: the right the in this old guy who's a business partner of Hammond's. is like, what? <laughs> <was> he going <good laughs> ah, ah, ah.
1: <laughs> Oh, I, I wasn't wholly on the fence about the idea of watching Fallen Kingdom. But now, oh man, I'm going to find it difficult to get there.
0: It's good. It's worth a watch. anyway. Yeah, um, all right, I'm sorry. So... Yeah, so Hammond's put this team together, including Malcolm's girlfriend, um, which actually gives gives us a better reason for Malcolm to go to the island than than in the book. That is
1: true. Like, that's a low bar to clear, but in fairness (laughs) to Spielberg, he does tap dance over it, doesn't he? Because in the book, Malcolm ends up there because of something, something, something. I really hate Levine, but I've got to go anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas here, at least, you know, there's the kind of, family leverage kind of option Um, but so I I feel like we need to go through Hammond's master plan Hmm. here master plan being an extremely boring term (laughs) to describe the level of of cognitive seriousness that's gone into this Hmm. so the idea is John Hammond made this gigantic fuck up five years ago right Yeah, and a load of people got killed And uh, he feels very, very guilty about that. Um, But his response to his guilt for having got people who would have been perfectly safe literally anywhere else on the planet and put them in front of really dangerous predators they didn't know how to deal with is to say the solution to this is to put more people who'd be perfectly safe anywhere else on the planet in front of more and possibly different massive predators that they don't know how they're going to respond, right? Mm. That's the that's the plan. Hammond's idea of dealing with his guilt is to double down on the guilt. He's the guy, after four hours at the table at Vegas, having lost all of his money, pawns his cufflinks in order to stay in the game.
0: Yeah. There's a couple of um, lines from Malcolm, actually, which Which are quite quite good for sort of diffusing some of the sort of audience incredulity about what's being requested here, because he says, "Oh, so you say?" Yeah, Yeah. he says, "So you you go from you've gone from capitalist to naturalist in five years." And um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, and and then he says, "Yeah, I know you you you're desperate for a legacy, but stop writing it in other people's headstones."
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a first of all, great line flipping great line and Jeff Goldblum sells it absolutely brilliantly. Mm. Um but it's that's never actually like more addressed more than that and it's and it's uh, like so he so that's a very strong counter argument against this thing that's going to drive the plot. Mm. But then he goes and does it anyway because his girlfriend's out there and his girlfriend's supposed to be the smartest cookie on the planet and she has decided to go. Mm. Um And so Malcolm has to go anyway, and like in order to something, something, something save her. Hmm. And it just it, and it's all in the service of the idea that once you've got lovely videos, (laughs) you know. corporate money-making behemoths will say oh actually gosh yes no you're right and now you've presented me with the depths of my own shame (laughs) i'll act in a humanly decent manner which i i would humbly suggest the history of western capitalism up to 1997 had not really given much grounds for
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think his plan yeah is ridiculous i do think (laughs) i do think that the decision for these different people to go does track I think I could imagine in the same way Levine just sort of dashes out there if this like I think it's it's more likely that someone lo- like the Sarah Harding character some experienced like animal behaviorologist or whatever hmm. th- um takes the opportunity of a lifetime to go and study some dinosaurs um, hmm. I could yeah do that and I couldn't I could imagine how a sort of a character like Malcolm would decide he's got to go and get her because he does, you wouldn't just you can't just leave her there. Yeah. Um, especially if there's a, a group already going out who's going to tag along and, and, and go get it. But yeah, I think the, the idea that, um, that some documentation is going to suddenly sort of... Turn the tide of public opinion. I think if anything, as soon as the video and pictures of these dinosaurs gets out, everybody's going to want to go and see them for themselves.
1: I <laughs> was going to say that's just going to make a very small number of boat operators from Costa Rica extremely wealthy because they're <laughs> going to be able to charge twenty grand a head just to go and stand on the cliffs for a little bit. Um, yeah, where they may or may not see a Carnotaurus. By the way, going to flag this now. <laughs> Didn't see a Carnotaurus at any point during this film, Matt. <laughs> still waiting in the wings it. for
0: its uh, for its film <laughs> debut, isn't it? It's still not made it onto the big screen. Go on,
1: go on and tell me that it appears in, in Jurassic Park three, because I've only seen that once. <laughs> um I'd be well, willing to believe it.
0: I'll tell you what, the, the the Lost World not the Lost World, uh Jurassic World One, um, the like Pepsi Saurus, whatever it's called uh is the, <laughs> that that changes its skin doesn't it to match the environment so i think the, the, they nick a bit of that for a new dinosaur but yeah poor old carnotaurus <laughs> still, still has, has a, not made it's screen made appearance.
1: appearance.
0: um i also like uh, w- w- while we're talking about john hammond's ridiculous plan i love how he says um the carnivores tend to be concentrated in the centre and the herbivores on the exterior so the team can keep to the sort of herbivore area. Oh, it's like, Matt. it's like, but surely the carnivores go to the herbivores to get there and,
1: and eat the herbivores because that's John, Mr. Naturalist, is how Fucking science works.
0: i love the idea that of the was... herbivores like talking to each other going, let's just stay to the outside because all the let's all the meat teachers live in the They'll middle. never
1: find <laughs> us. Tell you what we'll do, lads, what we'll do is we'll go or we'll hang out on the edge of these very high cliffs so that we've got almost nowhere to run to. That is what <laughs> prey behavior should sound like. <laughs> I, w- I will admit, I very nearly chucked the remote at the T V when, when that when that line came out. Came out I, I, Dickie Attenborough's face as well, like, this is this is one of the, the great heroes of the history of cinema, and you're making him say these things that are tissue paper thin in a friggin' rainstorm, <laughs> they're just such terrible, terrible plot kind of logic, and, and I was, I was oh, really, do they, do they, the really edible ones stay on the outside and the meat eaters, <laughs> all the ones with the big long claws hang out in the middle, eating each other, what, because they like a challenge,
0: <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. It's like uh, it's like the Thunder in Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new law. <laughs> so then we we cut over to the engineering shop. We meet Eddie. First impression, hey. not like he's not like the guy in the book. he's, nope. about, he's about twenty years older and probably like I don't know. Uh, se- several several trouser waist sizes bigger as well. But <laughs> he, what I'm trying to say is, he's not the sort of every day at the gym, like, young, fit uh, athlete that he is in the book.
1: Doesn't need to be, doesn't it? When you've got a beautiful mind, Matt, who cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> yeah. Eddie's my guy, Matt. Eddie's my guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, the dude from the West Wing, isn't he?
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, obviously, I heart Toby Ziegler, which means I heart Richard Schiff, which means I heart this guy <laughs> who doesn't work out but does make really great trailers.
0: Yeah, he also, he also make, makes great sort of one-liners, which we'll, we'll get to. There's also, Vince Vaughn arrives, uh, not in the book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Vince, Vince is playing a uh, photographer that basically works for um, Big Checkbook and lots of ladies. That's basically his character. That's just,
1: and I mean, I guess if you're going to hire anybody to do that. Hello, is Mr. Vaughn available, please? But, um, this, this character's really odd because he's supposed to be, and this comes up later, he's supposed to be this kind of like, like, you know, like Earth warrior type kind of, you know, Greenpeace guy standing on the front of Shepherd of the Seas, riding into the side of, of, you know, of people who are trying to kill polar bears and stuff. Yeah. Um, he's supposed to be this kind of guy. And he doesn't really act like that at any point. Hmm. He just acts like Vince Vaughn <laughs> in a jungle.
0: Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he's part he's part photographer, part saboteur, isn't he?
1: Yeah, and you just wouldn't sort of. I don't, I'm not sure why you would hire Vince Vaughn to play a guy with principles. That's hmm. that's not what you hire Vince Vaughn for. <laughs> I, I, I'm lost.
0: Um, there's also we also meet Kelly. Kelly's your um, re- regulation child of a divorced parent um yeah which she always always must have in a jurassic park film it turns out um,
1: <laughs> well, and a steven spielberg movie in general really hey? <laughs>
0: yeah um there's a great sort of line of its time where she says um she doesn't want to go to to stay with her aunts because she doesn't even have sega it's like oh,
1: <laughs> <know."> <laughs> oh sega that's sega. i love that that's like a really really dated reference um <laughs> You know what I mean? Like not even in the fact that, and I think this is sort of true for kids, perhaps a little, a touch older than even than our generation, where they would refer to the thing they were into by referring to the company name. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't remember anybody being like, "Oh, I'm really into Nintendo," Mm. rather than, you know, I like playing video games or whatever. You know, I like playing computer games. but yeah, Sega fell off a cliff about 18 months after this film came out, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, really dated. Yeah. Uh,
0: no one had Sega after that. Um, <laughs> she, she's also she's also recently done well in a gymnastics um, sort of tournament. If, that that won't be bit re- later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Eddie's having a moan because he doesn't like um, having to rush. Um, this guy, even though he isn't how you'd imagine from the book... He is very likable, isn't he? He's quick, he's clever, he's witty, um, which is uh, which is always helps in a film like this. Absolutely. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's always good if you put Vince Vaughn with a pair of wire cutters in the back and told him to look moody. To have somebody else who's capable of actually putting some character on the screen.
0: Yeah, um, I have a nice long tracking shot as Kelly walks through the um, like all the kits and has a look at it, and it all this all looks pretty damn dated. Not as dated as Jurassic Park, the original. But still, pretty. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, seeing just how quickly stuff's come on since then, just over yeah. a five year period, but how dated yeah. it all still looks.
1: Yeah, because um, it's all still like you know gr- green luminous screens and stuff in it, like it's yeah. the height of technology. Um, the idea that a color LED would be available, no, no, no chance.
0: Yeah, um, so we head off onto this boat. Uh, we have this chat with this uh, this fisherman, Mister Mister sort of Mister foreboding exposition, uh, <laughs> Senor. Sen- Senor, sen- 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's <He> talks- <laughs> exactly what he is. <laughs> he talks about the five deaths, cinco muertes. The
1: cinco um, muertes. Yeah. I, 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 and I will say, I do quite love Vince Verne, Vince Vaughn's delivery of that whole that whole exchange, <laughs> yeah. where he goes, las cinco this, <laughs> And then somebody says, what did he say? As though that's not a fairly simple sentence in Spanish. And he goes, the five deaths. He says, you know, don't, I'm just the messenger. Don't, you know, I'm just telling you what he says that these things are called. Again, as though nobody on the expedition has taken the moment to look at a map. Like... <laughs> this can't be, they are the name of the islands, right? And don't they all mean like, you know, like you know, dying from Storm's Island Nublar, dying from, I don't know, like, aren't they all like, types of death, the names? Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, Stabbing Island, Punching <laughs> Island, Acid Vat Island, you know, Dinosaur Eats Your Face Island, and that sort of thing.
0: <laughs> um, oh, we've also got Eddie, Eddie's talking up his gun, talking about a Cool as gun is. Um, he, just, he gives quite a good burn to Malcolm. Where Malcolm makes some crack about his satellite phone because it wasn't working earlier. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then he just goes, that's funny. And then moves on. And he's just a great like <laughs> throwaway put down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is. It's, it's like, because he clearly knows. Like, oh, if I go toe-to-toe with this like professional academic, probably mm-hmm. not going to come out of it looking too good. But tell you what, street smarts are street smarts. Ha <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's funny. So,
0: so we get to the island. You got two cars and a trailer. Um, they go for a walk, and uh, they find a ripped pack. Uh, stegosauruses arrive, and all um, of a sudden, yeah, here we go. Apparently, the stegosauruses were written in because Spielberg got a load of letters from kids who watched the first one and was like, "Mate, where's the stegosauruses?" <laughs> That's it's exactly how I felt
1: when watching when watching Jurassic Park. I was like, "Why the hell have you not put the most interesting looking stegosaurus, like <laughs> dinosaur, in this film?" Um, yeah. I I do love the scene where they encounter the stegosauruses, though, hmm. and they like like and I and, I, and I, again, this is about the death of my innocence. I'm not necessarily they should have made a film that catered to this because making a film that caters to you know men in their mid-thirties who's in the children have died Mm -hmm. is not a good way of making money but like i I, they walk down this creek and they encounter this stegosaurus and they it's kind of shot as though it's a big reveal to them but actually the camera like the the stegosauruses are off camera but they should be able to see these friggin things all the time (laughs) but they still do this big like what as though I don't know, they, they stepped out from behind a bush or something, and it turned out there was a stegosaurus behind there. <laughs> and then they keep walking, like they they all keep they they keep to these animals which are sixty foot long. Hmm. They just keep walking towards these fucking things as they're standing off a bit and going. Those look like mighty large spikes. I might do my wondrous amazement from a distance perhaps mm. no but they're all up in there they're all up in there and you very nearly get a sarah harding kebab as a result
0: yeah i suppose that's why like sarah harding and vince Vaughan um i'm just gonna keep calling <laughs> vince Vaughan. <Warm, are>, um <laughs> That's probably why they've been chosen and not us, because like if you're gonna send someone to take some pictures of these things, you probably want people who are prepared to get a bit closer. Yeah, within. but yeah, like, Eddie goes yeah. in, Malcolm
1: <laughs> goes in, like they're yeah. all of one mind on this question. <laughs> they're all like, Wow, a stegosaurus. Perhaps I'll try and pet it. Which yeah. Sarah Harding actually does.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and she nearly gets she nearly gets skewered for a trouble. There's a moment where Malcolm's telling her to telling Eddie to shoot the animals. And he won't do it. And this is the point I thought we've already criticised Hammond. But you'd think someone in somewhere in your team, you probably place someone who would like the the main job is security. <laughs> there's no, one, <laughs> there's no, you know, like at least that posh guy within Gem. He's got yeah. you know um, Pete Boswell's way to protect him. Whereas here they've <laughs> said they've true. said basically a techie. I suppose Vince Form is is the guy, but he's he's such a he's never going to. He's always going well, to. Pick he's a the videographer. Dime,
1: so. What's he going to do? Set up the lights and then cock the gun? That's going to deal with the situation. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, but yeah, no, they're all a bit too sort of in wonder about it to do anything. But uh, there's this sort of very famous line as well, where they're, they're all sort of like looking on, agape, and Malcolm's like, "Oh yeah, ooh, ah, that's where it all starts." <laughs> Later, running then, like, and screaming.
1: Ooh. Screaming! Oh, and I completely forgotten that that line because that line is referenced in Space, particularly, and I love Space from the bottom of my heart. Hmm. Later, there's barking and fighting, and it just it makes me so happy when that that. So where where I've had my emotional peaks in this film so far have been nearly throwing the remote at the telly when <laughs> John Ammon did his spiel before, and then punching the air in pure delight <laughs> when, when this line came up. <laughs> just so good,
0: yeah. So they're wandering back. Eddie's just amazed. He's sort of smiling, just saying "wild" well to himself. Vince Vaughn's talking about he was going to win an award, uh, probably not an Academy Award. Let's be honest, but he's going to win an award for his photography. <laughs> um, he's about to light a cigarette, and Sarah says, "Don't light any cigarettes because animals can smell for miles. Just remember that for a bit later <laughs> in this story, because <laughs> that's going to come back to bite her on the ass almost
1: literally." But um, yeah. <laughs> That is absolutely true. Uh,
0: they get back to the trailer. There's a fire. Um, Kelly's here. She's she's stowed away, same way that Arby and Kelly do in the uh, in the book. So, same yeah. level of plausibility as well. But we'll, we'll, we'll move on from that.
1: But like no setup whatsoever. Just oh, there's a child. <laughs> great like at least there was a whole kind of story that brought the kids in the book onto the thing and gave them good reasons to want to be away and stuff like that whereas whereas this is just i'm coming with you i i prefer dinosaurs to no sega so (laughs) here i go
0: yeah because in in the um in the in the book, there was this weird sort of throwaway line about how Kelly didn't want to be at home because you've got this creepy, like, stepdad, which sort of, oh, he's never yeah. got into. But it's like, it's just some really, like, cheap way of giving her an extra reason to go. Whereas here, yeah, it's literally, it's either go somewhere which doesn't have Sega... Or go somewhere a bit more exotic, which presumably doesn't have Sega.
1: So yeah, well, stow away on board a flight again? Like, <laughs> it's just... It, that, I mean, of course, it's never addressed because we need to get to the dinosaurs, please. Yeah. But, it, but it does add up to this feeling that I had throughout the entire film this time where I was like, what? Like, it just felt like something, like, tied together from little... Okay, so now the kid's on the island. Brilliant. <laughs> what would happen then. It's like an improv exercise with a two hundred million dollar budget. It's really weird.
0: The um something that really annoyed me when I watched it when I was little and um and made me not really warm to the Kelly character was the fact that she tries like this campfire. It's obvious that it's really dangerous and all the adults freak out and get rid of it. And there's like not even a shadow of an apology. She just carries on regardless. And I was like, oh <laughs> <laughs> <Aww>. child <laughs> I think it's probably it's like she's she's really badly behaved this isn't on this is, this is a dangerous place don't be badly behaved probably speaks more about how I was growing up than anything else but anyway <laughs>
1: I mean, it's it's very, very clear, Matt, as we engage with this, that you and I are losing any ability we may once have had to empathise with teenage protagonists in films (laughs) like this. (laughs) But it is true. It's just a bit weird. It's also weird as well that she's like, she's stowed away. She's clearly very resourceful because she's stowed away. And then she's started a campfire in order to cook for people. You ever Mm -hmm. tried to cook for people over a campfire?
0: Uh yes but it wasn't anything particularly challenging yeah i think i might have boiled some beans on a campfire
1: i mean exactly just about to get away with that if you're lucky marshmallows yeah exactly yeah well exactly right like rule one of trying to make cook things if you're camping is don't rely on your ability to make a fire particularly when you're in a massive two-part trailer that has an ultrasound machine and therefore definitely will have a fucking stove <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. and because of that it just becomes this incredibly throwaway like so so kind of meaningless moment of like two seconds of peril in a, in a plot and you're like is this how we're driving it forward my god there's a fire
0: <gasps> <laughs> that is a really good point why cook over? Surely there's a hob in there. If they've got yeah, surely you've
1: done something. Your microwave, you know. Like, you brought, it's 1998.
0: If they've brought, they brought sausages, presumably, <laughs> apparently, surely they've brought a hob. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and especially if, like, yeah, the the oh yeah, this is going to be this is going to hurt a bit because the more you pick, the more you find, does not it? Because we've just That's had true. Sarah say. Don't light a cigarette, animals can smell for miles, but presumably their plan was to have a cook fire, because they <laughs> sausages without <it> a <laughs> cook out come on
1: yeah let's grill hey it's okay though because because we're in the herbivorous dinosaur bit which means if we cook meat there no the, none of the dinosaurs would be interested because the dinosaurs that eat meat they're in the interior and there's a magic line between the interior and the exterior that means none of the meat-eating dinos come out and go down a difficulty level and just chow down so we'll be fine we should get a load of vaguely disinterested Triceratops walking past. It'd be great.
0: Yeah, in a Hammond ideal world, they're uh, having a big cookout with a T-bone steak that's going on the barbie, the delicious smell of, of barbecues <laughs> wafting over to the carnivore area, and there are all the raptors and the tyrannosaurs are just stomping about angrily going, oh, if only we could go over there, but we're going to stay in our zone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it must be like those, those, um, like, uh, Country houses that always featured in terrible Agatha Christie ripoffs in the twenties, where there was always one bridge in, and now it's burned down. It's like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just this, like a really, you know, freak of geology, where this island has is developed as like a double ring system, <laughs> containing on the outside all the herbivorous dinosaurs, and then a massive chasm, and then on the inside a load of really, really irritated carnivores. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, so as the, uh, Malcolm's furious, he wants to send Kelly home, but the phone's not working. And then the helicopters arrive because Team Two gets here. And it's uh. not Biosyn, a family company; it's Ingen. Um, so they land. Uh, the, this posh guy turns out he's called Peter Ludlow, and we've got the Peter Ludlow Roland Tembo double act. This is Pete Posselthwaite, <laughs> the, the, the Safai. <laughs> so so you got Roland Tembo. <laughs> so you got the ex- expert hunter and. Uh, and the posh, like, old gear but no idea guy uh, riding yeah. in a riding a jeep
1: together. Riding in a jeep, <laughs> right, in a jeep <laughs> negotiating their contract for the job at hand, <laughs> yeah. which somewhat undercuts the image of Roland Tembo as a like a hard-nosed operator that you can't get anything past. <laughs> if he's agreed to all of this shite and put his people on the ground where they're going to be in huge danger, and only then does he turn around and go, listen, here's how it's going to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah um he says i want to hunt a rex a buck um it's weird really because as soon as this guy turns up even though he's a bad guy you think oh there's a bit of a there's, there's a whiff of muldoon about this guy they are probably going to like him and then he talks yeah. about how he wants to kill a tyrannosaur you're like oh no uh, it's going to be hard to get uh, with this guy."
1: <laughs> yeah yeah but again if you want anybody to play like kind of insufferable, hard-nosed British colonial bastardry, then yeah. Pete Postlethwaite can do it better than anybody.
0: Yeah. I have complicated feelings about this guy because I, I kind of feel I should not like him, but I also quite like the character, <laughs> especially when he's coming out with these brilliant nicknames, for the dinosaurs, as they chase after true. him. So yeah, he calls, yeah, yeah. calls one of them Friar Took, uh, one of them Elvis the Pompadour. <laughs> 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 really great scene this, isn't it?
1: It is. It's, it's, it's brilliant. And... Um, and it's it's particularly good because it like it's weird that it does all of this exposition and ooh look all the dinosaurs thing hmm. um but it does do a lot very very quickly which if you're trying to get to your first set piece that is a very good thing
0: hmm.
1: like that is a that is something that's, that's sort of desirable um But it's also a bit weird, because Spielberg had this really careful sense of building this, like, hey, look, the dinosaurs, here are the dinosaurs, the dinosaurs are amazing. You know, like, this, like, revelation moment, Hmm. when you had all the dinosaurs... And yet in this, what he's done is he's kind of had that moment with the stegosauruses. There's only three of them. But Mm. still, you've had that moment of like, and then there's like this like crunch. And then it's just like, and here's what happens when we electrocute dinosaurs en masse. (laughs) And and it's just this very sort of gung-ho catching animals for the zoo thing. And yeah, like you you sort of don't really know. You you don't really know what you're being asked to think about this because it just spins past you so quickly. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. You you don't really kind of get it.
0: Yeah, so there's um. It, it, I think sort of in terms of just a great action scene, I really enjoy it. But yeah, it is. A, it, I remember for the first time I saw it as a child, feeling a bit strange about this. I think what it's trying to make it feel is, oh, look at these people exploiting the dinosaurs, and look at these other people who just like the dinosaurs. But also, the entire first film almost was like a study in how these things are really dangerous like and they're more like monsters than animals (laughs) yeah it's quite hard to get your conservationist hat on after that
1: yeah no well i mean absolutely but also it's quite hard then to yeah yeah to see them as yeah as you say to see them as vulnerable Hmm. to kind of be like oh and then just to have that kind of taken as red is quite kind of and then nobody kind of questions it or there's no sense of bereavement in that so there's this sense of like in the first one, I was all keyed in to experience wonder. And in the second one, it's as if nobody knew that and nobody felt the need to actually represent that on screen. Hmm. Um, in terms of, you know, the kind of like, Oh my god, what are you doing to these beautiful animals type hmm. thing. I suppose Which it, basically I suppose, nobody ever says.
0: Yeah, I suppose it leans on like two there's two types of dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, isn't there really? The basically the plant eaters are always like the nice ones, which Majestic you want to detect, Children of and Gaia. The, yeah. yeah. And then the meat eaters are like the monsters. Apart from the Tyrannosaurus that sometimes straddles both. But um, mm. for the most part, the meat eaters are just the bastards that you should be killing. Um, there, there isn't, there's isn't very there's very rarely much sort of nuance in them. You don't get like a great deal of, oh, but they're just doing what they're doing. Leave them to it. Yeah. Um, there's this like, there's, we meet some more of the team as well. So there's like, roland's second in command called carter i think he might be third in command because they've got that little guy called aj as well but he gets absolutely no go to <laughs> development but yeah. um yeah there's this guy called carter uh, with his drive his spanish driver who we'll meet later on again there's this there's this like paleontologist sort of geeky guy who shows up called robert burke who i think is a real is a real paleontologist
1: <laughs> yeah i read that as well and didn't he wasn't he like he gets i mean spoilers but he gets eaten <laughs> yeah. And and the guy apparently walked out of the cinema afterwards and he was really happy about it. He was like, Yep, 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 that's that was correct. This guy's <laughs> forwarding some of his theories or something. Yeah. And so he was like, marvellous, great stuff. That's that's my funding sorted for life. <laughs> Getting eaten on screen. Yeah, yeah.
0: So um so he's there. Um some of the kit they've got is quite interesting. One of them is like this dino catcher car with extending seats that like the the seat like comes out and then the guy's sitting there with a gun and shoots out of it i had that toy as a child did you so i was i
1: was gonna mention this like i remember them bringing that out as a toy at the time and this is a great example of the sort of toy that that i was just like there was no point me asking for for christmas because it was not going to happen and (laughs) while i was really pissed about that at the time i now look back and i'm like that is a solid decision i'd probably play with that for about six minutes um (laughs) I was a very easily distracted child um, but um, there was the, and there's the other one isn't there where there's this sort of weird thing that kind of imperfectly kind of catches a dinosaur in between two massive like tongs basically.
0: Yeah they look like um, the kind of things that American footballers practice with or rugby players. Yes very much things, like that
1: yeah, yeah. as though they just strapped a couple of those to the front of the car and then put a dinosaur model between them and gone just wiggle the joystick a bit so it wriggles its head <laughs> and it'll be done um and both of those are now the most transparently like exploitative attempts to create something that you can show on screen for half a second and then sell a toy off for 25 quid a pop that just like that i have seen in quite some time and my childhood took place during the 80s and 90s ladies and gents that really was the high watermark of dumbass exploitative toy film crossovers for children um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they really are as well but so but here i ask you this question was i wrong was that toy good did you enjoy it
0: um now i think about it i think i don't think i actually had it i think i had a friend who had it
1: and it was oh, cool but that I is know. the best actually that's why you have that toy so your friends can covet it that's yeah. that's why you do
0: it so it was fun for like 10 minutes when i was running at my mates but i'm not sure if it would have sort of really had much more life expectancy after that if I'd had it on so my own version. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the the they stop and set up camp, and Roland immediately heads off on his hunt. Um, the this deity guy um, who's left to set the camp up meets a compy and shocks it. He does the um, let's give them a reason to fear us line, which is given to Eddie yeah. in the book. Um, yeah. But in in the book, it's sort of it's used as sort of quite a naive, like, this guy's out of his depth um, yeah. and isn't really sure what to do kind of thing. And here it's just like, look at this utter bastard. He's <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> just shocking a little chicken sized dinosaur for the lulz. So. Yeah, and
1: it really, like, and of course, Peter Stormare is the, the guy you want delivering that line in yeah. just this absolutely kind of, now it does kind yeah. of a way. Just the right level of creepy. Yeah. Well and and it's interesting to me that this is that this is the first thing I think I saw Peter Stormare in, but he was clearly hired for this because of his performance in Fargo like two or three yeah. years earlier. Um the original Fargo movie is one of my favourite movies of all time where I mean, let's just say he does not play a good character. His yeah. character is not a good human being. Um and it's just so perfect at that like dead eyed psychopathy thing. Mm-hmm. Um So well cast. Loved it.
0: I remember thinking when I first saw this, for some reason, I just assumed the way that he plays that character, I just thought his character was just always drunk. And (laughs) and I think think it it took me to watch it again, like years later. I mean, I remember watching it once and suddenly realizing, I don't think that guy is actually playing a drunk. I think that's just how he plays the character. (laughs) I don't think
1: he's drunk. I mean... I don't know, you could imagine uh, Postlethwaite being the sort of boss who was like, I don't care how drunk you are as long as you get it done. Hmm? Yeah. Hmm? Get it done. So uh, maybe he is absolutely, you know, half cut, but...
0: He very much gave me a feeling of sort of, like, second half of the book Muldoon in Jurassic Park. (laughs) Just pissed. pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Bloody (laughs) hell.
1: Muldoon was funny. This guy, not so much.
0: Yeah. Um... So Roland and RJ go on this Rex hunt. Um, they see the nest with a couple of little babies knocking about. RJ goes, offspring that young, Rex won't be away for long. So they decide to make him come to us. And then they just break, uh, like on purpose, in, in the book, this, some, yeah. this idiot accidentally stands on a baby Tyrannosaur and breaks his leg. In the film, they just break the leg on purpose and this is the moment where I had to say, yeah, no, he is a total bastard. He's day. complete
1: bastard. No, absolutely. And it's uh, and obviously it's so heart wrenching that whatever. Who hats off to the sound engineer there that had to put together some combination of existing sounds to get to Baby T Rex in agony, hmm. but sells it absolutely sells it. Um, but also, yeah. But is this a thing? I mean, I suppose I I assume you know no more than I do about like professional hunters, hmm. but like do you do that? Because <laughs> I've been out in, not, I mean, I uh, overstate these things. I'm not grizzly friggin' Adams, but like in Canada, if you're out in the countryside and you see a baby bear, you're basically already dead because mm. uh, like, unless by some absolute miracle, you're not standing where the mother bear can interpret your, your presence as a threat. She is going to rip you to shreds. And, um, like so pretty much you sort of stay away as much as possible from the offspring because that just makes larger animals extremely unpredictable and very violent. But but this Tembo guy has just gone, you know, the quickest way to get a Rex, I assume, based on my knowledge of lions, is uh take a hammer hammer to the leg and everything works out fine. Stake him in the ground. You know, show show T Rex who's boss. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs>
0: What? Why? I don't know. I don't know. It might be something that, like, those utter bastards who go hunting uh, very rare animals do, but I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend yeah, exactly. it, do it that way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Based on my experience of this film, cannot recommend.
0: Right, it's time for a reckoning. Vince Vaughn says, you know what, I've also got some bolt cutters so let's go fuck let's go fuck some shit up. <laughs> so he has down there. Um in the meantime they're doing this little sort of link satellite link up with their, with the the board in um the Ingen board back home. The plan is to steal some dinosaurs and then open up Jurassic Park San Diego, a little sort of okay. zoo with a minute. You know what? We've we've given Hammond a lot of shit and we gave Biosyn a lot of shit as well in the in the book. Um, this is, as far as Jurassic Park plans go, this one seems quite sensible. Get some dinosaurs <laughs> and then create a small zoo and charge other people to come and see it.
1: Yeah, yeah, make, <laughs> make, make sense, Matt. What could possibly go wrong?
0: <laughs> I just think that is actually vaguely, yeah, a vaguely I mean, manageable
1: goal, which is that's unusual. What you, <laughs> that's what you should do. Although I feel like maybe you want to put it like not in the middle of a city. Probably... <laughs> Probably, you know, people people might not pay to get all the way to an island for it, but people will probably drive a little way out of it, you know, and then you can, let us say, dig enormous ditches to prevent the things from getting out, <laughs> Where, whereas something tells me that having, you know, a maternally outraged T-Rex in downtown San Diego is not going to go well for downtown San Diego, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but of course, of course, that's the genius of this foreshadowing. It's it it is wonderful. Yeah.
0: Um. So they they're in the link up. Meanwhile, Vince Vaughn's just in a mock with his little poke cars. There are no guards oh, yeah. anywhere. Why would you <laughs>
1: <laughs> over these astonishingly valuable animals, <laughs> these like multi-billion-dollar animals, and they've all just been left in their cages. Um, very small cages, by the way, like cages too small, even for them to turn around and they're just, just, just in there, but, but not cages, by the way, that have managed to come up with a solution for keeping the Triceratops's horns out of the way. Yeah. Cause he's, he goes and pets the Triceratops's nose at one point, which means that he's, these like 15 foot horns must be poking out the top of the face. I
0: also love it. Some of the some of the cages are just like just literally just a metal bar which you can lift up. <laughs> That's
1: it. Oh, that was brilliant! <laughs> My word, yes. And, and and by the way, I love that they're all locked up with standard issue padlocks that you can do with bolt cutters you could buy from any home hardware shop. <laughs> yeah. Might they have done something different? <laughs> but but okay. So so <clears throat> Ingen's plan to lock up these animals questionable. Uh, john hammond's plan to to in a completely uncontrolled manner release these animals when they're all close together and very (laughs) agitated (laughs) absolutely bananas cuckoo bananas out to lunch (laughs) breakfast the next day as well goodness me what are you doing? How is that a plan? How is that going to like? You, so the footage. So and the, the the point of this. Let us not forget is to get footage of these animals. So presumably this means that you're going to take the opportunity to get the footage of these animals when they're all quite close together. Which means that the the footage that you get of them is going to be of them absolutely losing what shit remains, and like skewering tens and tens and tens of human beings. See the majesty of the natural world. Ah, pfft, pfft, ah, run away, God, it's got its horns out. See how glorious it is. No, not the face, not the face Ah I regret everything I ever knew about conservation. See, we must preserve them. We must preserve them. Send money now.
0: It is um What? Yeah, it is hard to just to sort of work out what Vince Vaughn's plan is here. Um, yeah what he hopes what he what he hopes to achieve for it yeah,
1: yeah and that's my thing is that yeah he's been sent with this this is the plan this is get the video and get it off the island uh, if you can and if you encounter somebody else here's a pair of bolt cutters fuck them up uh, <laughs> all right um and mm. dot 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 profit like wh- where are you going next
0: yeah anyway he does his sabotaging all hell does break loose um dinosaurs running mock everywhere. That's
1: fantastic, by the way. Incidentally, though, the the upshot of it being a Triceratops running through a carefully put-together, mocked-up boardroom that some knobheads thought you needed to have in a packing crate in the middle of a <laughs> jungle in order to seem have the first shred of corporate credibility. Having a dinosaur run through that, I will pay money to watch that, Monday to Sunday. Not a problem.
0: <laughs> no, um... So yeah, all hell breaks loose. Uh, the, AJ and um, and uh, Roland nearly get squashed by a, a car, which like lands in a tree. <laughs> but, like, now, questions, now, questions. I know it's weird, but it's a good callback to the uh, to the the first film. I assume something gets butted off some
1: cliff and lands in a tree. That's what I'm gonna go
0: for. That's my that's it, my theory. I'm like- sticking by it.
1: Down the creek, though, because my interpretation of this is that something had run hard enough into some form of explosive fuel kept at high enough pressure that it could blow a car into the air to nearly land on Pete Postlethwaite. Now, yeah. the sight of Pete Postlethwaite jumping out of a tree to, you know, deal with the fact that he's about to be hit by a car, obviously hilarious. <laughs> but given how long the set piece is in the first film, for this, that in the second film it's just like there's been an explosion. Obviously, ah, run away! done and it's like eight seconds of screen time done
0: on to the next moving on roland goes back to the camp and says to Dieter, that's the last time i leave you in charge like i think roland's got some responsibility here as well to be honest (laughs) he is an expert in passing the book isn't he yeah
1: he really is i didn't get to be where i am today by taking responsibility for my mistakes
0: (laughs) yeah he said that he set the camp up and before it was even set up is on his way to do his own weird little Tyrannosaur hunt yeah, with his second in command. Yeah, just like <laughs> and just leaves this guy, other guy in charge. It is your fault. You didn't have a. Good handle <laughs> it, on that. it
1: is you. You were hired to do your job, and you did not do your job. You did the job that you've chosen to do to replace your fee. <laughs> All right.
0: Now here's another. There's another questionable decision here. Uh, the Vince Vaughn and Sarah find. Um, the baby tyrannosaur and decide to bring it back to the trailer um <sighs> what do you think about this i just the difficult thing <laughs> is have, that do you, do you have the sort of do you have the energy to criticize can, this,
1: <laughs> can, the thing is matt that i can't convey a facepalm via a podcast it is an entirely non-aural event which is very, very sad, because that is exactly what... This sort of action is exactly what that gesture was invented for. But I'll give it my best shot. All right, are you ready for this? You're ready? Mm. Here we go. Here we go. There you go. That was my face palm. That's my response to this plan. <laughs> this... Why? Why? It's a fucking T-Rex. It's a literally you are the world's leading animal behavioralist when has it ever been a good idea to get involved with infants of predator species <laughs> no don't do it they're not your friends they will eat you and then your house
0: yeah so they bring back the rex. mental um, <laughs> <laughs> kelly decides she wants to leave so they head off to the the high hide um yeah. the high hide is uh slightly different so there i think there's one thing better and one thing worse than the book so the book version is just basically these struts so it's this is big piece of scaffolding with a little hut on top um mm. which i always thought was worryingly easy to knock over um mm. the film version is sort of like a a cage which is suspended like in the trees um, by like a, I don't know, like a cable from the car, which probably makes mm. a little bit more sense, I suppose. Unless a, mm. unless an animal kicks the car over, I suppose. Um, that's, that's true.
1: <laughs> it does depend upon the car being heavier than like everybody. that's Oh no, you can do it without going. You know. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Karen.
0: Uh, there's also, but the the book version, it was a proper little hut. In the film version, it's just a balcony. There's not even a roof on it, so everyone's standing in it just getting piss wet through.
1: Absolutely drenched. <laughs> and yeah. if, I, if
0: I was Malcolm, I'd have words with Eddie about this. So I'd be like, <laughs> I couldn't put a roof on this thing.
1: <laughs> Listen, I vow to nobody in my respect for you as an engineer, but honestly, tent, any chance.
0: <laughs> I know the meat eating meatosauruses are keeping to the interior, but do we really have to risk hypothermia <laughs> like as well? <laughs> <laughs> That's very true.
1: I felt like the high-hide... I I said this in the book bit, and I I was really... It was one of the things that came out better from the book than this read-through, was um, it's really cinematic because it it lets you have things happening in three different locations because there's this big, like, plains area with the long grass, Mm. and there's the high-hide on the game trail, and then there's this, like, open clearing area where the trailers are. Mm. And... There's a lot of cutting in between these two environments and people saying, right, I'm going to go down here and deal with this. And oh God, now we need somebody over there to go and deal with that. And it mm. just, you sort of feel this, this like natural size. And there's a few like panning shots and that. But you, weirdly, it feels very uncinematic in the film version. It's just, you know, sh- shivery on a platform with no roof on. All right, cool. Mm. Rainy, 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 muddy trailer nothing's going to go wrong there when it's got a baby T-Rex inside it. And that's it. And you just don't really get the sense of the interplay between the two of them so much.
0: Yeah, I think part of it is because the high hide in the film, it just seems to be have been placed uh, in a random place because it's yeah. just above like a load of trees. So there's a bit later where it's great because you can see the Tyrannosaurs, like, the, the trees moving as the Tyrannosaur walks underneath. But yeah. there doesn't seem to be a lot of thought got into why they've stuck a thing because at least there's a reason for it in the book in that you put yeah. it above the valley so you can watch the dinosaurs in this one they've sort of put it above the trees where they can't see anything <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah no absolutely absolutely but anyway
0: it, it, does, it does make for a good little scene when the uh, the trees shake below
1: them that is true that um, is a great scene
0: so they're, they're up in the high hide they hear the trinosaur roar and there's this like close-up of malcolm's face Remembering,
1: so awful minute.
0: Hmm. Um, Malcolm decides to go back and warn them. He does this. He gets. He tries to abseil down and utterly fails with it, which is quite funny. Um, yeah. They 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 go back to the trailer. They do this gum adhesive thing, which they did in the book to set the animal's leg. We we. Discussed that in the book, didn't we? There are some issues with that, but we'll we'll carry on.
1: Uh, (laughs) It's weird, but you know what, scientists, you carry on.
0: Yeah. Uh, The Tyrannosaurs turn up and, like, smash one of the cars up, just as a warning of what's to come.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're back on Asbo T-Rexes, aren't we, here? Just like, I'm going to fuck it up. (laughs)
0: Push, push, push. (laughs) And then uh, Malcolm gives a, a line pretty much designed for the trailer which is because mommy's very angry Um. palpably so isn't it
1: (laughs) um now i i I hesitate to suggest this because this is a little bit like suggesting that dark is light and like light is dark but i'm not sure jeff goldblum sells this line every other slightly kind of overwrought line in this film jeff goldblum absolutely has for breakfast with kippers on the side but this line is a bit Mm. I'm not feel like you could have done with a couple of extra takes there Jeff and then I was reading about this and I discovered that Spielberg this is brilliant he doesn't ask his actors to rehearse Hmm. and he won't let them do more than two or three takes Hmm. which has got to be the most astonishing expenditure to get to a place where somebody can do their best shot first time out of the bag straight into the camera then move on Hmm. Like these, all of these sets exist and then they exist in order to have people act on them. And then you have lines that possibly could work hmm. from Jeff Goldblum if he'd had a bit of time to give him a run up. But even like, but this line, I just, I really want him to go away and work on it for a couple of days just to come back and do it in some way other than, as you say, the palpably flipping trailer oriented thing just it didn't it didn't land with me at all
0: <laughs> i think it doesn't didn't quite work for me but it's more because not cuz of the way the live the line just that it's just not a line anyone in this situation would ever say
1: <laughs> yeah yeah solid <laughs> i suppose that's what i mean though cuz most jeff goblin lines are lines that somebody in this situation wouldn't say but he makes them believable yeah. whereas this you're like no oh, jeff what
0: <laughs> so they they give the, the two t-rexes arrive which is great and still look again obviously like, two t-rexes better than one the, yeah. the um i thought when we said when we watched the first jurassic park that the special effects when they're shot at night have held up a lot better than the, yeah. than the ones in the daytime because because light is very difficult to to do well with cgi and um, yeah. i think this was another example like the the nighttime attack from the t-rexes is really good um yeah. And they give the baby dinosaur back. They sort of carry it out of the out of the trailer and give it back to them, which I think is actually a bit better than the <laughs> in the book, where the mum just like, oh fuck, it, I'm going in and she just smashes the window and gets the, <laughs> <laughs> gets the baby. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's just quite a high level of reliance on the dexterity of your teeth, there, isn't it? Um, from the from the mum T Rex. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. Um, the tyrannosaurs, like in the book, though they take the baby away and then come back to wreak revenge on this weird <laughs> metal thing that seems to have tried to eat it and uh they push it over and try and kick it off the cliff and um it's all looking bad sarah nearly falls there's this whole action set piece here where um sarah falls down to the bottom of the trailer which is now hanging over the cliff and the sort yeah. of the back window just about protects her and it yeah. it smashes but just in time she grabs the pack and survives um, again Spielberg knows how to do an action sequence he,
1: he certainly does and once again mid-30s boring me piped up at this point to go safety glass anybody like as if as if when you're going to the field you'd make this thing out of glass that would like splinter into big shards in the way that in the way that it does there <laughs> like either it's gonna anyway I so that irritate me but I got over it. The thing that irritated me more about this, and I will stand on this, is um, Sarah Harding in the book, and in, particularly in this sequence in the book, is a really, really fantastic female protagonist who never lets other people do the work for her, is never helpless in the face of a dilemma, and never needs to be rescued by anybody, least of all a bloke. And in this scene, she's literally unconscious. <laughs> like... She can't hang, on. she's the only one that can't hang on to her gripping point. The other men manage to. She falls all the way down and is knocked out and is in great danger of being killed by a falling backpack, which is nobody's idea of a heroic way of going out and is saved by Ian Malcolm repelling down in a way he's already shown us he's not actually capable of doing in order to grab her at just the last moment. It's great tension, but it was just a bit disappointing that it was her rather than, say, Vince Vaughn. Also, because, to be honest, a Vince Vaughn-centric kind of action sequence like this, I'd be fine either way. If he lives, fantastic. If he dies, oh well.
0: Hmm. I think you've touched on a thing here, which is I do think there is a problem with the Sarah Harding character in the film because, like you say, in the book, she's she's probably one of the best characters in the book.
1: She is. And she's she's MVP absolutely yeah. throughout.
0: And in the film, she really is pretty much useless. She yeah. she goes straight out to the island with without so she does the Levine, which we thought he was an idiot for doing. So she, that's that's a start. Then she does the basically all the bad decisions that all the other characters make in the book, she makes them. So there's the Levine yeah. goes straight to the island. She does that. There's the Eddie brings the T-Rex back. She does that. Okay, Vince Vaughn does as well, but, you know, yeah. she she plays a big part of that. Yeah, she she has to be saved at this point here. She does the ridiculous decision, which we'll get to a bit later on, which ends in a Tyrannosaur attack on a camp. Um, <laughs> I can't think of any moment where, yeah, she isn't, like just disappointingly useless. And I think it's such a shame because in the book, she's a she's, she's the absolute opposite. Like you say, she's the MVP. She She's like the badass action character that always yeah. gets, that makes the right decision.
1: And nails it and feels really credible as that character. And you really like her as that character.
0: Hmm.
1: And you do really like her in the film as well, I think, but that's because Julianne Moore is a frigging genius. And she's, you know, she's capable of taking this extremely foolish character and making her still seem somehow dynamic but you're you're absolutely right that like yeah the, the decisions she makes are bollocks and the, and the other w- weird thing about that is that because and it's a really good read i hadn't realized that but you're right that like all of the stupid stuff that any character does in the book all gets dumped into her <laughs> all of them and we've got two other, three other characters who are on the on the island for this stuff, and at least one of them basically does fuck all, like the stupid decisions that Nick Van Owen makes are. Um,
0: let all the dinosaurs out. Let's not, let's not forget let that all one. the
1: dinosaurs <laughs> out. <yeah>, exactly. <laughs> letting all the dinosaurs But but he's kind of presented as a sort of accomplice to her, mm. like because Vince Vaughn isn't as big a star as Julianne Moore. Fine, but that means that, like he doesn't do anything like where's (laughs) where's the dialogue about why are you doing this fucking stupid thing Mm -hmm. and like why like it just means that him and eddie eddie's a bit more two-dimensional because he's a fairly conventional just like plot fodder character Mm -hmm. whose role is to say a couple of funny things reflect the plot back at the major protagonists and then die in an agreeably gruesome way (laughs) spoilers (laughs) Um, oh, Eddie. But, you know, oh Eddie, pour one out. Um, <laughs> pour one oh, out. Pour one out for Eddie. Rip uh, <laughs> I'd
0: love it if to you know at the end of this whole sequence where they um they get saved and they say should show some respect, the guy's died. And then <clears throat> Peter Ludlow finds the uh finds his whiskey tumbler. <laughs> finds his finds his whiskey hip flask. I'd love it if he just poured one out.
1: <laughs> on the ground <laughs> for Eddie oh, that would be amazing <laughs> just yeah rest <laughs> in peace <laughs> but yeah like like I, again that would be actually quite a satisfying end to the arc whereas actually what happens is Ian Malcolm it becomes fodder for an, another self-righteous line from Ian Malcolm that nobody listens to when they should mm. and, and that's it um, and meanwhile Nick Van Owen is doing nothing <gasps> nothing absolutely nothing so you've taken all these terrible decisions that you could give to a character that you put there for reasons passing sense and you've given them all to the female character instead
0: mm. it's Why? funny because it's the it's like the <clears throat> reverse of in jurassic park they took sort of steven spielberg took a character in lex which was pretty pretty weak in the book and turned her into a really positive female role model and yeah. in this one he takes a, a character that sort of is a really great role model and turns her into something which is a, quite disappointing it's, it is it is weird but um, that's the decision yeah. that was made and this guy is a phenomenally successful, successful director so you know you got to give him that
1: <laughs> I, yeah I mean I'm, I'm, I'm not about to argue with that but have you ever seen
0: 1942
1: <laughs> no it's, it's I an attempt I to make a comedy about World War 2 it didn't work hmm. really? <laughs> not a good film <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> it's like like stunningly terrible. He had to get he had to make Indiana Jones to get back on his feet after that.
0: Uh right, okay. So for all after that digression where are we? Oh yeah. So the um the trailer's sliding off a cliff. Dave, here we go. Eddie, don't be a hero. Here he comes <laughs> to save the he day. He can't help
1: himself, Matt. He can't help himself.
0: <laughs> um he takes the place of Doc Thorne. Uh, just by the way, he isn't in this the film either. Um, he's kind of been semi-replaced with Vince Vaughn, I suppose. Yeah, but, uh,
1: but again, with all the charisma taken out, hmm. how, can, how can you get Vince Vaughn to play a boring character? How can you do it? His whole thing is twinkly-twinkly.
0: <laughs> so Eddie comes in. Um, there's this, again, uh, really good action sequence where one thing after another goes wrong as he tries to stop this trailer. Going over the edge of the cliff, um, it ends with him in the car, trying to reverse to, to sort of keep the keep the trailer from going over. The two tyrannosaurs come out, chow down on the car, get him, and agonisingly his super super duper weapon that he was talking up for ages gets stuck in some net, so he can't get it out, oh. and he gets eaten. And now I'd like to get your thoughts on this, but I saw a YouTube video where this death. Pulled out of the car, ripped, a, literally torn in half by two tyrannosaurs while you're screaming, is the worst Jurassic Park death of the series. That's all five films. Um, with a slight caveat, you haven't seen the film five. Um, <laughs> that's do, true. do you agree with that? Oh
1: man, that's there's a decent pitch for that because it is quite horrible. As you say, it is also <laughs> yes, a little is. bit. It is a <laughs> good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know also snow is white you know uh, clouds soggy but um i f- it feels a bit undercooked because he can't get his gun out because it's caught in the webbing that's such a weird decision on their part you know what do you mean like why not have him try and fire it and then can't aim it properly and he misses you know what i mean like it's just, like i but that itself is a horrible way to go i am actually going to put a vote in for the way nedry goes in the first one yeah, because uh, we talked about this in the first one. I wasn't allowed to watch Jurassic Park one when it came out because I was too young. Hmm. Um, so, I, but I got the novelisation, which had all the descriptions in it. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, the young adult novelisation was completely fine, apparently, um, and it it describes in quite horrible and really effective detail what it's like to realise that you're blind. Mm. and what it's like to feel like this Dilophosaurus has just spat in your face and is in the car with you and you don't know where it is and it's going to eat you. And mm. it describes all of that incredibly well. And for me, that's worse. Mm. I think that is worse as a way to go. Um, like, just what that would actually be like, that is pretty flipping bad. Yeah. Um, but But what about you?
0: Yeah, I think the thing with that as well, it takes a little bit longer. I think yeah. you need to. You, you suffer for longer. I mean, you suffer pretty bloody badly here, but only for like what a few seconds. Briefly, um, yeah. Whereas, yeah, you have the whole like <laughs> it's it's more of a it's more of a fine dining experience for the Dilophosaurus, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Michelin star. <laughs> um, it's funny what you say about the uh, the children's version of of the story for Jurassic Park because I am um, obviously I read the lost world then i watched the lost world film and then the companion lost world serial serial serialized comic book came out so i bought really them, like yeah the, the, i think it was in like about six or seven parts and i yeah. bought them up to this bit because i was looking forward to eddie getting eaten i was like oh this is gonna look great can't wait yeah. to look at the the comic strip of this guy getting eaten by tyrannosaurus <laughs> And and then it got to it, Dave, and the car's going over, the trailer's going over the cliff. And, like, oh yeah, here we go, turn the page. Here he comes, eh, to save the day. Oh yeah, turn the page. And then the trailer goes over the cliff, and the tyrannosaurs are there. And I'm like, he's not been eaten. And then I saw at the bottom corner of the pane he's running off into the jungle and they completely bottled it and didn't put it Seriously.
1: in. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I was like, oh, fuck off. It's, it's, yeah, <laughs> quite. It was on the screen, lads. It was on the screen, which is also aimed at your target market. What were you hoping to do by not putting it on the page? <laughs>
0: just this, like, there's this little, like, cartoon chapter for it, off into the jungle. Well, I'm
1: off then. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, he never comes back. So the story. The story the well, bit, I, I don't know if incredible. I don't know if
0: he ever came back in the comic book because I stopped buying him after that. I was like, well,
1: <laughs> well I mean, but if he does come back, that really seriously breaks the rest of the narrative, doesn't yeah, he'll have it? To so, do like, Swan. Yeah. So like, or they just, disappear. yeah, exactly. They just have to have him disappear at the end of the island bit because he wasn't <laughs> available for the San Diego shoot or whatever it is. But um, mm. that's such a, that's hilarious. Oh my word, that is awful. <laughs>
0: so anyway yeah um <clears throat> that's the end of eddie good old eddie taken too young obviously i i think yeah it is a terrible way to go i think actually his book death is worse um considering oh, really? cons- yeah the screaming in the night as the raptors tear you apart yeah definitely yeah um, that's true but yeah. but anyway the in the end because he dies everything goes over the car the trailer it all goes over the cliff spectacularly doesn't kill the people hanging beneath it um yeah. i'll i'll give that a pass because i love the the little bit where the wheel there's the explosion the wheel comes all the way up and then falls.
1: Away again. <laughs> I <really like> that. <laughs> once again once again the visual wilhelm scream element of that is just <laughs> yeah. absolutely perfect whenever you have an explosion in a movie there has to be a wheel slowly pirouetting out of the fireball and then falling <laughs> back away again
0: yeah um they they climb the way back to the top and they're rescued by the hunters who've who've shown up I'm not entirely sure how they've just all arrived now but they they're here um also um it looks like the hunters have picked up Kelly as well um from somewhere they've swung by the high hide, hide and picked her up yeah not gone. a
1: very good high hide, then, is it? If you can walk past it, look up, and go, Gosh, there's a miner up there, we'd probably better look after her. Yeah, these scary Also, have t- Nice nurturing instincts. Oh, yeah, yeah. What have we seen on the part of this InGen team at this point? That, I mean, it is a great turnaround. Oh, my God, how do they get out of this? Goodness, here's all these humans, and we're in a whole new phase of the movie. Mm. I think it works, but I don't know why. Because none of these people have shown the slightest inclination to be pleasant to other people at all. And you would think that they would... Why would they go looking for them when there are two T-Rexes wandering about, you know, feeling a bit tasty and up for a rumble? You know, Saturday night's the night for fighting for these T-Rexes. Why would you take your entire team? Yeah, come on, lads, it's time to go and be a deus <laughs> ex machina now. Here we go. Make sure you're walking slowly enough to notice anybody hanging around in uh, in hidden hidden hides up in the trees. Yeah. Tell you yeah. what, we'll stop here while you just shin up there and get her down, and then we'll all walk together into the muddy, the muddy clearing where we have literally just seen two T Rexes tear a man in half. Let's go <laughs> in there and sort the situation out.
0: It is a well, yeah, that that could be put down to just Roland's like death <laughs> or glory charge to hunt a dinosaur, but they, they are they are um the hunters are actually remarkably decent here. They are, aren't they? Yeah, it, presumably what's happened is they've come across Kelly and rescued her from the high hide on her own, heard that the rest of them were in trouble and hiked over there to rescue them. And then when they all finally, like, get back together, there's a bit of, like, argy-bargy between um, that, you know, that kind of creepy hunter and and Vince Vaughn. But in general, they're remarkably understanding about, you know, the fact that these four have entirely ruined the expedition as well they don't like well and
1: endangered all of their lives as well like they've let like if i if i mean so the the sort of real world animals equivalent of this is somebody like letting loose a really really angry rhino in my house (laughs) i'm not sure after that my first thought would be to be charitable towards that person
0: (laughs) yeah uh but now yeah, so they, they are remarkably charitable and decent to the to the other team. <laughs> and they say it's now a rescue mission. They've got to get to the centre of the island that, that Where is the true. carniv
1: sorry, What? <laughs> sorry, they've got to sorry, what where the carnivores are, they've got to yeah. get to the centre of the island.
0: To to be honest, Dave, this that's where the carnivores are, that's where the carnivores are theory has kind of been thrown out the window here in the last few seasons. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is true that's fair <laughs> that is fair so i love that this causes them to double down once again a lot of people <laughs> doubling down on bad bets in this plot so far well yeah. since they've moved we've got nothing to lose by walking across where all the other carnosaurs ca- <laughs> <laughs> that's their yeah. only appearance in this entire narrative all the yeah. other carnivores are um <laughs> yeah you know who am i I'm, I'm not a hunter i don't know this stuff
0: yeah. Even the hunters um were trying to stay away from the centre of the island because that's where the Velociraptors are.
1: Bum bum bum. Bum 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 bum. Um which, isn't which the thing about velociraptors though, that they can move quite quickly. Wouldn't you expect them to be basically everywhere?
0: Yeah, well well yeah, this whole the carnivores are here, they're not anywhere else thing <laughs> is ridiculous, isn't it? I'm really? not letting it go though, Matt. I'm not letting it go.
1: I'm wringing every last drop of preposterousness from uh, it.
0: Peter Ludlow finds his uh, finds his Whiskey, like he says, pours one out for porty-party daddy. In, in my version of the film. In which, your uh, version, yeah.
1: in the real world, he just goes, Ha ah, ah, peasant, and drinks two. <laughs>
0: um, there's an argument between Sarah and um, Robert Backer, the, mm. the the sort of the resident geek on, on their side. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> Sarah argues that the Rex will continue to smell them and track them. Um standing covered in infant tyrannosaur blood, uh <laughs> which she then <laughs> decides not to take not, not to sort of wash off or not to remove the <laughs> item of clothing covered in it. So if we just get because this is this is always astounding me from when I was little. Um so she is wearing a jacket covered in tyrannosaur blood and she says T-Rex has a great sense of smell and may continue to track us, basically chase after the, the fuckers who did that to the kid, um, and then keeps the jacket on. <laughs> I, I'm, I, this is why Sarah Harding is just the worst character in the film. You're why? right.
1: <laughs> Brilliant, and it's not as if it's not raining either, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I all right, so all her stuff's just gone over the cliff, but you know, does anybody have a spare <laughs> t shirt, please? Yeah, you know,
0: she's no <laughs> spare clothes, that's so all, <laughs> Looks like I it. have to keep this on.
1: <laughs> Look, I mean. I've made the scientifically valid point, but there's no way of getting around it. I'm covered in T Rex blood and I'm coming with you. <laughs> maybe she's not even saying it as a warning, maybe she's just like saying it like, and that's how we're all gonna die. <laughs>
0: I have nothing else that goes with these cargo trousers. So <laughs>
1: God Oh and the way she's presenting the rest of this narrative you could almost believe her kind of thinking that. Oh, dear dear.
0: Uh, Roland is the colossally um insensitive Rex just fed line. Um, and yeah, Malcolm pipes up, and then on we go. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They continue the march. I'm really, again, it, this is great. It's a great setup, but I am surprised that nothing, no no single vehicle survived the uh, the stampede of the captured animals, so they've all got to yeah. walk.
1: the remarkably precise <laughs> stampede. As um, so if they were all out and immediately went strategic and were like, right, go for the tyres and the <laughs> fuel tanks. <laughs> maybe, maybe if we're lucky, one of them will explode, fly through the air very accurately, and take out the leader when he's sitting on a perch in a tree. Let's see it.
0: <laughs> um, there's these various, like, little bracing chats and uh, sparring between Roland and Vince Vaughn talking about killing the Rex I went up there to live. Um, and Malcolm and Peter Ludlow, Malcolm tells Peter that talent skips a generation, so his kids will be bright. It's a, it gives <laughs> a weird sort of backhanded compliment to John Hammond there, actually. He calls him a genius. He does, yeah.
1: which is quite yeah, quite interesting. Like, And I do wonder what drives that, in a sense. Because I'm not sure you've seen anything that really qualifies as genius from Hammond in these films. <laughs> you know
0: I, I, mean? I I would I always think with that line from Malcolm, I think you can read into that, that he sort of respects the kind of person who could actually pull that It's you know, Like when he's looking at the brachiosaur in the first one's like the crazy son of a bitch, he did it. He can respect mm. the genius who've been able to do it. He just thinks mm. he shouldn't have done it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, whereas all he sees in Peter Ludlow is, Yeah, you are literally just an expensive suit. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Could all,
0: see that. Yeah, all the recklessness and none of the genius. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, Talent skips a generation. Full hardiness, alas.
0: (laughs) I'm surprised that none of these hunters at any point throw back in the face, oh, by the way, this is all your fault, you wankers. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Where would you be without us at this stage? um, Very true. So the march is underway, and they've got to get to the centre of the island to get to the old sort of building, which still has power through geothermal, I think, don't worry about it. And call, the, <laughs> and call the helicopters to get off the island. And, that, and They
1: actually have to call in helicopter support, by the way. That's literally the plan. Fantastic.
0: <laughs> call in air support. Send in the eagles. That's what they want to do. Send day. in the eagles. <laughs> <laughs> will they get to do that? Well, we will find out next time. So marks the end of part one of our watch through of Jurassic Park The Lost World. We're kind of like the, do you know, like the last Harry Potter film or the last series of Game of Thrones. We've decided to split this into two, yeah, um, kind of to make more money. Although it's, this is for free, so I'm not quite sure <laughs> so what do. the deep we, thinking is we, behind we, it.
1: We're not, we're not doing this very well, are we? But <laughs> never mind.
0: Um, but yeah, so the the second part of the Lost World, the Live Royal watch through, will be coming out shortly after this. Hope you stick with us. If you want to send your review in of the film, uh, I know quite a few of you sent in your reviews of the book. If you want to review the film, um, then send it to SharkliverallPodcast at gmail.com, SharkliverallPodcast at gmail.com, and we'll read them out. Um, particularly if you've got a glowing review of the film, because I get the feeling that uh, Dave's isn't going to be particularly <laughs> generous when we get to the end of it. So if you've got to temper that, then by all means, send in your review. Mm. Um, but until then Dave happy watching thank you